الله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله Surely the praise belongs to Allah we praise him seek his assistance and forgiveness and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds whoever Allah guides there's no one that can lead him astray and whoever Allah leads astray there's no one that can guide him i bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshiped except Allah alone and that he has no partners or associates and i bear witness that muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam is his slave servant and his messenger this evening bismillah ta'ala we would like to continue with our discussion or explanation the sharh of aqidah aqidah ahli sunnah wal jamaah as it was explained or written by al-imam abu muhammad abdullah ibn abi zaid al-qayrawani rahimahullah the great scholar of the people of Maghrib, North Africa, who was born in the year 310 and died in the year 386. In the last two lectures, we began with an introduction and biography of the author, Al-Imam Ibn Abi Zaid, rahimahullah, and some introductory remarks, including the opening statement of his aqidah, in which he said, began رحمه الله باب ما تنطق به الألسنة وتعتقده الأفئدة من واجب أمور الديانات يعني that which is spoken on the tongue and it is believed or a conviction is held concerning these matters in the heart that is the obligatory matters of الديانات of religion ومن ذلك الإيمان بالقلب والنطق باللسان بأن الله إله واحد لا إله غيره ولا شبيه له ولا نظير له ولا ولد له ولا والد له ولا صاحبة له ولا شريك له يعني الإمام ابن أبي زيد رحمه الله in the beginning in the opening of his aqidah he said from amongst those obligatory matters of religion that are required to be pronounced on the tongue and to be an atheist firm conviction should be held in the heart concerning them. The first of them, it is the belief that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that He is one God. And He is the one, the only one that deserves to be worshipped. And there is nothing besides Him that deserves to be worshipped and that He has nothing, no one which is similar to Him or equal to Him. He doesn't have any offspring or parents, nor does He have a companion, a wife, or an equal, a partner, a partner and any of those things that are his exclusive rights. And we talked about at that time something related to a tawheed, the tawheed of rububiyyah, that Allah is the only Lord of the heavens and the earth and the one who controls the affairs of the universe, and that he is the only one that is described and deserves to be described by 
the beautiful names and perfect characteristics, the Asma al-Husna or Sifat al-Uliya, that belong to him alone, and that as a consequence of that, he is the only one that deserves to be worshipped, whatever kind of worship it might be. So. Then, uh, Ibn Abi Zayd, Al-Imam Ibn Abi Zayd, Rahimahullah, went on to mention that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Al-Awwal, the first. And in his being the first Al-Awwal, there is no beginning to it. And he is Al-Akhir, he is the last. And his being the last also, there is no ending to it. Yani there is nothing before him and he has no beginning. And there is nothing after him and he has no ending. And that those who attempt to describe the reality or the true nature of his characteristics, his sifat, his names or characteristics or his actions or his wisdom, that no one can describe them, nor can anyone comprehend completely his matter, his affair, his amra. That means the reality or the nature of his names and characteristics and actions and the wisdom behind his actions and so on. Uh, then we, we reach the point uh, in the last lecture, the third paragraph of his essay, um, where we want to continue from today, in which Al-Imam Ibn Abi Zayd, Rahimahullah, began to describe some of the names or the characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and we mentioned some of those names, and we stopped before completing that paragraph, in which the Imam, Rahimahullah, said, about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he is al-alim, al-khabir, that he is the one who is all-knowing and all-aware. He is al-mudabbir, al-khabir, the one who controls or manages and arranges the affairs of his creation and the one who has power over everything. He is al-samir, al-baqir, the one who is all-hearing and all-seeing, the one who hears everything. Nothing is out of the reach of his hearing nor out of the reach of his sight. And that he is Al-Aliyu Al-Kabir. He is the Most High who is above everything and he is the Most Great. After mentioning this, we stopped on this point. And here, Al-Imam Ibn Abi Zayd, Rahimahullah, mentions an issue about which we would like to pause for a moment and discuss it. Uh, and try to clarify yani, something that might be unclear to some. He said about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, وَأَنَّهُ فَوْقَ عَرْشِهِ الْمَجِيدِ بِذَاتِهِ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above his arsh, his majestic arsh. هُوَ فَوْقَ عَرْشِهِ الْمَجِيدِ بِذَاتِهِ With his divine being, بِذَاتِهِ that Allah's divine being is above his arsh. وَهُوَ بِكُلِّ مَكَانٍ بِعِلْمِهِ And he is in every place by his knowledge. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in every place. Not his divine being, but by his knowledge. His knowledge is in every place. He has knowledge of everything in every place. There is no place that is free or that is absent from his knowledge. خَلَقَ الْإِنْسَانِ وَيَعْلَمُ مَا تُوَفْغُثُ بِهِ نَفْسُهُ And that he, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, has created the human being and he knows what 
the human being whispers to himself, that which he whispers himself, وَهُوَ أَقْرَبُ إِلَيْهِ مِنْ حَبْلِ الْوَرِيدِ And he is nearer to him, nearer to the human being than the juggler vein. And this is the meaning of an ayah of the Qur'an, uh, the wording being slightly different as it is mentioned in the Qur'an here, Al-Imam Ibn Abi Zayd is mentioning the meaning of this ayat as a point or a proof concerning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being in his divine being, being above the heaven, above his throne, above everything, high above everything, while at the same time, his being in every place, it is by his knowledge. Not that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in every place, uh, by his divine being. Then he said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the human being and he knows even that which the human being whispers within himself. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he knows that because he is nearer to the human being than his juggler being. Here, before uh, uh, before discussing the issue or the tafsir of this ayah, Dr. Muhammad, Dr. Muhammad Abdurrahman Al-Khumayyid, who has explained this essay briefly, first mentions the expression that which Al-Imam Ibn Abi Zayd has mentioned in the beginning of this sentence, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, أَنَّهُ فَوْقَ عَرْشِهِ الْمَجِيدِ بِذَاتِهِ That means the word that. He said that this word, or this expression, بِذَاتِهِ, that Allah is above his majestic throne, by his divine being. He said it is an expression that was not known amongst the Salaf, or the early generations of the Muslims, before the third century. And it was an expression that wasn't used by many of the people. It wasn't widespread. It wasn't something that was commonly used. Although some of the scholars, such as Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah and others, rahimahullah, have mentioned that there were those who have used this expression even before the fourth century, in which Al-Imam ibn Abi Zayd was born. However, it wasn't widely used. He said this word wasn't known before the third century, and that which caused the author, Ibn Abi Zayd, rahimahullah, to use this expression, bidatihi, it was that the Mu'attila, a group from amongst the Muslims who used to engage in that which is called Ta'afil, in reference to the names of Allah, or the characteristics of Allah, they used to confirm that name, the expression that was used, while emptying it of its meaning saying that Allah is Al-Alim, but denying the meaning of that name or that which is derived from it of characteristics such as Al-Ilm, knowledge. They are saying that Allah is Al-Alim, but without knowledge. And Allah is Al-Qadir, without power. They denied the meaning that is behind it while only confirming the expression. They emptied it of its meaning. This is called Ta'afil. He said that that which caused Al-Imam Ibn Abi Zayd to use this expression, it was in response to the Mu'afila, those who used to deny the meanings of the names and characteristics of Allah, when they said that Al-Istiwa, the ascension of Allah is Majaz, that it is figurative or allegorical, that it is not Hakiki in reality, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not in reality ascend above his throne. They said it is only an allegorical or figurative expression, and it is metaphorical. For this reason, 
he says that Al-Imam Ibn Abi Zayd, in response to them, he used this expression that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above his throne bidatihi in order to exaggerate the confirmation of the fact and the reality that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually in reality has ascended above his throne, that he is high above his throne. He said that it was for this reason that he has used this clear expression concerning Allah ascending or rising in his divine being above the throne uh, to refute those who deny the reality of this. He himself here confirming the reality that it is as it is understood in the Arabic language and this is indeed the opinion or the saying of the people of truth. Yani the correct opinion in Islam or the correct belief in Islam is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has indeed ascended in reality. It is not figurative or metaphorical or allegorical. It is haqiqi, it is in reality. And this is as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the explainer says, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned in seven verses or in seven places, seven different places in the Qur'an. Now amongst those places, he says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ascended above his arsh. It is in the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Fa'a, chapter 20, verse 5, Ar-Rahman ala al-arsh istawa. That Ar-Rahman, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ala al-arsh istawa. Above the arsh he ascended. And the scholars of the people of Sunnah said that the meaning of istawa in Arabic language, it has more than one meaning. From amongst those meanings is ala, to go up, or sa'ida, to ascend, or irtafa'a, to rise up, or istaqarra, to be established above something. The first three words, they are similar in meaning. And that is the primary meaning that is intended here by al-istiwa, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ar-Rahman, that he ascended or rose up above his throne. And here the author said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned this in seven different places in the Qur'an. From amongst them is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-A'raf, chapter 7, verse 54, إِنَّ رَبَّكُمُ اللَّهِ الَّذِي خَلَقَ السَّمَوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ فِي سِتَّةِ أَيَامٍ ثُمَّ اتَّوَى عَلَى الْأَرْشِ That verily, your Rabb, your Lord is Allah who created the heavens and the earth in six days. Then he ascended or rose above the throne. And his saying in the similar word in Surah Yunus, chapter 10, verse 3. And likewise, his saying in Surah Ra'ad, chapter 13, verse 2. And his saying that we mentioned in Surah Al-Fa'a, chapter 20, verse 5. And that's what he said in Surah Al-Furqan, chapter 25, verse 59. And that's what he said in Surah Al-Sajda, chapter 32, verse 4. And that which he mentioned in Surah Al-Hadid, chapter 57, verse 4. And all of these ayats are similar in wording, and all of them are a proof. Each of them individually is a proof that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he has described himself, and he knows best about himself. He has described himself as ascending above his throne. This is the reality about which there is no doubt. Then the Shaykh says, وَهُوَ سُبْحَانُهُ 
مستغن عن العرش يعني شيخ محمد عبد الرحمن الخميس the one who is explaining the text of the book he said that Allah سبحانه وتعالى is مستغن عن العرش he is without need of the arsh he has no need of the arsh that which he has created of all the things that he has created the greatest of them is the arsh and he has no need of that arsh or that which is less than it يعني هو مستغن عن العرش وما دونه and this is the word this, this is actually the wording of الإمام أبو جعفر الصحاوي رحمه الله in his عقيدة العقيدة تحوية and this in a similar uh, point when he mentioned Allah's ascension above the throne he said these words that the explainer has mentioned here that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, well, is without need of his arsh and that which is less than it that which is below it and that which is less than it and everything is below the arsh of Allah except Allah himself and everything is less than the arsh of Allah because it is the greatest of Allah's creation he said that he is not in need of any of those things then he said that the author that is Al-Imam Ibn Abi Zayd here he intends to refute those people who held the opinion of Al-Hulul Al-Hulul and those who held the Aqeedah of Al-Ittihad and those who held the Aqeedah of Al-Juhud he said Al-Hululiyya the first of them Al-Hululiyya they are those who claim that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in every place. Al-Hululiyya are those who held or who claim they have the aqidah believing that Allah is in every place. In every place. Then he said, and they deny that Allah is above his throne, above the heavens. As for Al-Ibtihadiyya, they claim that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is everything that Allah himself is everything everything that exists is Allah and Allah is everything and as for Al-Juhudiyya he said they are the Mu'tazila and the Maturudiyya and the Ash'ariyya three groups from amongst the Muslims who have deviated from the Aqeedah of Ahl Sunnah Wal Jama'ah on some point or another and what they share here is their negation or the rejection of the actual meaning of the names of Allah or his sifat, the names of Allah or his characteristics. The Juhudiyya are those who reject or who deny and reinterpret the meaning of the names or the attributes, the sifat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then he says, they say, that is the last group, the Juhudiyya, the Mu'tazila, and the Maturudiyya, and the Ash'ariyya, they say, إن الله لا داخل العالم ولا خارج ولا فوق ولا تحت ولا يمين ولا شمال ولا خلف ولا أمام that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he is not inside of the creation nor is he outside of it he is not above it nor is he below it he is not to the right of it nor to the left of it he is not in front of it nor behind it in fact such a statement it is the claim that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't exist because there's nothing that exists unless it is either inside of the creation or outside of the creation if it is inside of the creation it is creation and if it is outside of the creation the only thing outside of the creation is the Khaliq Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they said he is neither inside nor is he outside that means he is not creation nor is he creator he is not above it or below it 
not in front of it or behind it, not to the right of it or to the left of it. That means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yani according to their belief, it is the claim of the non-existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this statement, it is a saying that is common amongst the Ash'ariya particularly, as well as the Maturudiya and the Mu'tazila. And some of the scholars who have researched the Aqidah have mentioned this point and such a statement from them in a number of their books. From amongst them are the books of Al-Ghazali, not the Muhammad Ghazali of today, but the earlier scholar Al-Ghazali in his book Al-Iqtisad fil and and also in his book Al-Arba'een fi al Deen. Likewise, Fakhr al-Din al-Razi, Fakhr al-Razi in his book Usul al-Din and Asas al-Taqdis and al-Baqilani in his book al-Tamheed and in other books of the Ash'ariya scholars, they have clearly stated that Allah is, not, is neither inside nor outside of the creation, He is not above or below and so on. This is a statement that they claim with pride and indeed it is a proof of the deviation from the correct aqidah of the Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah. Then he said, for this reason, he said, these groups, yani the three of them, Al-Hululiya, those who claim that Allah is in every place, and the Ittihadiya, who claim that Allah is everything, and the Juhudiya, who claim that Allah is neither in or outside of the creation, he said that all of them are astray and are leading others astray. They themselves are astray and they lead others astray. And the greatest of them in being astray and in leading others and leading others astray are the Juhudiya. That then that is those who deny, who deny Allah's characteristics that He has confirmed for Himself in the Quran and that which has been confirmed for Him by the Prophet and the authentic hadith. Because their belief is that Allah doesn't exist. So he said they are the most astray. In reference to the affirmation or the negation of Allah's existence, they are the most astray. They are more astray than those who said that Allah is in every place. At least they said Allah exists. Or that Allah is everything. At least they said Allah exists. But as for these, they claim the non-existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He said that they are the most astray, and then the Ittihadiyya, those who said that Allah is everything, and then the Hululiyya, those who said that Allah is in every place. It is also said that those who make comparisons between Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His creatures, and the characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they compare them to the characteristics of the creatures, the created beings. He said, the Mushabbaha, the Mushabbiha, that they worship Salaman. They worship يعني, the created beings because they compare Allah to the creatures. So they make Allah like a creature. He said they worship Salaman, يعني, statues. And the Mu'attila, those who deny Allah's characteristics, worship Adaman, that which doesn't exist. He said the Wujudiyya, meaning the Ittihadiyya and the Hululiyya, they are worshipping everything. They worship everything that exists. While the Mu'attila, yani the deniers, Al-Juhudi, they don't worship anything. They deny Allah's existence. In fact, he said, they worship something that is non-existent or that it is impossible for it to exist. It is impossible for something 
to exist, that is neither inside of the creation or outside of it, and so on. He said, indeed, all of them are astray and are in contradiction to the truth. Then he says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, has ascended above his throne, and he is above the, heaven, the seven heavens, and this is the description that is suitable and appropriate for the greatness and majesty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is that which the human being, the human being's nature is in agreement with. Indeed, we find that when anyone supplicates, whether from amongst the Muslims or Christians or Jews or amongst the pagans, if they supplicate, they raise their hands up to the heavens at the time of their supplication, which is an indication in the nature of the human being. In their nature, the human being knows that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above. And here, uh, there is a story that has been mentioned by some of the scholars, the Shaykh Muhammad ibn Sari al-Uthaymeen, rahimahullah, in his explanation of al-Aqidah, al-Wasatiyah. He mentioned the story of the argument between Abu al-Ma'ali al-Juwaini and the scholar of the people of Sunnah, Abu al-Ala al-Hamdani. And he said that they were discussing this issue of whether or not Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ascended above his throne, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above the seven heavens. And he said that let us leave aside the matter of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said in the Qur'an, in the many verses of the Qur'an that mention al-istiwa al-arsh, as well as other verses that mention that the supplications go up to Allah and, his, and the command comes down from Allah and Allah's sifat is that he is al-a'la, the most high and so on. He said that is by revelation, something that we cannot know unless we came in contact with the revelation. He said, but let us consider, looking aside from the revelation, let us consider if there's any rational, normal, sane person who when he supplicates, doesn't raise his hands to the heavens as a natural indication that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above the heavens. And at that point, Al-Juwaini, he was silent with no response and he admitted that he was in error. Then the Imam, or then he said the saying of Al-Imam Ibn Abi Zayd, وَهُوَ بِكُلِّ مَكَانٍ بِعِلْمِهِ يعني that he is above his throne. استوى على الأرش بذاته يعني by his divine being he has ascended above the throne وهو بكل مكان بعلمه but he is in every place by his knowledge by his knowledge he said that while Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above his throne there is no place that is unoccupied or unreached by his ilm by his knowledge and by his sama' by his hearing, and by his basr, by his seeing. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he hears everything, and he sees everything, and he has knowledge of everything, in every place, wherever it may be. And this is similar, or this is proven by the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in Surah Al-Ta'a, chapter 20, verse 46, قَالَ لَا تَخَافَ إِنَّنِي مَعَكُمَا That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to them, to the two of them, that is Musa, and his brother Harun don't fear that indeed I am with the two of you I am with you I hear and I see 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to them, don't fear. For verily I am with you. Innani ma'akuma asma'u wa ara. I hear and I see. Yani I am with you by my hearing and by my sight. I hear whatever is going on there and I see whatever is going on there. In that way, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he means to say that in this way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is in every place by his knowledge, by his being, by his hearing, by his power and so on. And likewise, as he has said in Surah Al-Hadid, chapter 57, verse 4, وَهُوَ مَعْكُمَا أَيْنَمَا كُنْتُمْ And this is in one of the ayats that mention Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creating the heavens and the earth and then his ascension above the throne. And in that ayat he also mentioned his knowledge. And in that ayat he said, وَهُوَ مَعْكُمْ أَيْنَمَا كُنْتُمْ And he is with you wherever you may be. And this is also a proof that there is no contradiction, as some might imagine. There is no contradiction between Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being above his throne and his that divine being and him being with his creatures wherever they may be by his knowledge or by his sight or by his hearing or by his power. The fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself, he has declared in one ayah that he is above his throne and he is with you wherever you may be, this is the proof that there is no contradiction because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is not like his creatures in any of his characteristics. It's not possible for a created being to be in two places at one time. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is not limited to the characteristics of the human being. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is above his throne in his divine being and he is with us by his knowledge or by his power and so on. And this is... Uh, this is what Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah said in his book Al-Aqidah Al-Wasitiyah. He said that also included in that which we have mentioned that is required of the things that we must believe in, Al-Iman Billah. Also we must believe as part of Al-Iman Billah, believing in Allah, Al-Iman Bima Akbar Allah Bihi Fi Kitabihi. Believing in whatever Allah has informed us about in his book Al-Quran. وَتَوَاقَرَ عَنْ رَسُولِهِ And that which has been narrated by innumerable narrations متواترة from the Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم وَأَجْمَعَ عَلَيْهِ سَلَفَ الْأُمَّةِ And that which there is consensus or agreement upon from amongst the Salaf or the first generations of the Muslims مِنْ أَنَّهُ سُبْحَانَهُ فَوْقَ سَمَوَاتِهِ عَلَىٰ عَرْشِهِ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He is above His heaven Above his throne, da'inun min khalqihi, completely separate and distinct from his creation. وَهُوَ سُبْحَانُهُ وَتَعَالَ مَاهُمْ أَيْنَ مَا كَانُوا While at the same time, he, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is with them, his creatures, wherever they may be. He said, this is as Allah, these two matters. There is no contradiction between them, because this is as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself said in the Qur'an, هُوَ الَّذِي خَلَقَ السَّمَوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ فِي سِتَّةِ أَيَّامٍ ثُمَّ اتَّوَعَلَ الْأَرْشِ He is the one who created the heavens and the earth in six days and then he ascended above the arsh يَعْلَمُ مَا يَلِجُوا فِي الْأَرْضِ وَمَا يَخْرُجُوا مِنْهَا وَمَا يَنْزِلُوا مِنَ السَّمَاءِ وَمَا يَعْرُجُوا فِيهَا He knows whatever goes into the earth or what comes out of it and what descends from the heavens and what goes up to it وَهُوَ مَعَكُمْ أَيْنَ and he is with you wherever you may be, 
and Allah is in whatever you do. This is a proof that there is no contradiction between Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being above his throne and him being with his creatures wherever they may be. The meaning of it, it is by his knowledge. It is by his knowledge. He knows whatever goes into the earth and what comes out of it and what descends from the heaven and what goes up to it. And, and, and in this way, we understand the saying, وَهُوَ مَعَكُمْ أَيْنَ مَا كُنْتُمْ And he is with you wherever you may be. وَاللَّهُ بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ بَصِيرٌ And Allah sees all that you do. Then, Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah gave the example of that which is in the creation, about which we can say, it is in the heavens and yet it is with the creatures wherever they may be. He said that this statement, there is no contradiction in it. Yani in the Arabic language. The Arabic language doesn't necessitate yani the rejection of this idea. Uh, he said that indeed the moon is a sign from the signs of Allah. And it is the smallest of his creation. And it is in its place in the heaven. And at the same time it is with the traveler and the non-traveler wherever they may be. Yani you may say in the Arabic language as well as you can say in the English language while you are traveling that the moon is with you. As you are traveling along the road you can look in the sky and the moon is in the sky and it is with you. And as you go along the road if you travel 100 miles or 200 miles or 300 miles it will remain with you. And in the same way yani we can say that if it is possible for a created being for it to be said that it is up in the heavens and it is, it is with you as you travel, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is greater than the created beings, uh, and therefore there's no any need to contradict or to reject the idea of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being above His creation, being above the heavens and the earth, and likewise being with His creatures. Shaykh al-Salam also said concerning this in the following section, he said that that which has been mentioned in the Quran and the Sunnah, من قربه ومعيته لا ينافي ما ذكر من علوه وفوقيته يعني that what has been mentioned in the Quran and the Sunnah concerning his nearness Allah's nearness and his being with his creatures there's no contradiction between that and what has been mentioned concerning Allah being high or being above his creatures فإنه سبحانه ليس كمثله شيء because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala there is nothing like him in any or in all of his characteristics he is high in his nearness to his creatures and he is near in his highness above the creation and there is no contradiction between the two then Al-Imam Ibn Abi Zayd Rahimahullah, he said, خَلَقَ الْإِنسَانِ وَهُوَ يَعْلَمُ مَا تُوَفْوِثُ بِهِ نَفْتُهُ وَهُوَ أَقْرَبُ إِلَيْهِ مِنْ حَبْلِ الْوَرِيدِ That, yani the meaning of the ayat is like this, that he created, that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the human being, and he knows what the human being whispers to himself, yani his inner whisperings or his thoughts, and he is near to him than his juggler vein, or the juggler vein. This is, actually taken from the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Qaf, chapter 50, verse 16, وَلَقَدَ خَلَقَنَا الْإِنسَانَ that indeed we have created the human being, وَنَعْلَمُ مَا تُوَسْوِسُ بِهِ نَفْسُهُ and we know 
what he whispers to himself. وَنَحْنُ أَقْرَبُ إِلَيْهِ مِنْ حَبْلِ الْوَرِيدِ And we are nearer to him than the juggler vein. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is the creator and he knows his creation. And this is also indicated in the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Muq, chapter 67 verse 14, أَلَا يَعْلَمُ مَنْ خَلَقْ وَهُوَ اللَّطِيفُ الْخَبِيرُ does he, the one who creates, does he not know while he is Al-Latif, the one who is kind to his creatures, and Al-Khabir, the one who is all aware? And if he has created the creation, then indeed he is the one who knows them best. So he knows whatever thoughts come to the mind of the human being, and whatever they might think about. And this is also indicated in the saying of Allah in Surah Al-Qa'a, chapter 20, verse 7, وَإِن تَجْهُرُ بِالْقَوْلِ فَإِنَّهُ يَعْلَمُ أَسْتِرُ وَأَخْفَى That if somebody says something, yani silently, then indeed Allah knows the secret and that which is more hidden, that which is more hidden than the secret. And he is nearer to the heart of the human being than his juggler vein, which is inside of him. And that is by his knowledge, yani that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is nearer, to the human being than his juggler vein that is inside of his body. He is near to him by his knowledge and by his hearing and by his sight, as has been previously mentioned. Here also, uh, it is noteworthy to mention that as Al-Imam Ibn Abi Zayd has used this ayah of the Qur'an, وَنَحْنُ أَقْرَبُ إِلَيْهِ مِنْ حَبَلِ الْوَرِيدِ He has used it as a proof of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's knowledge because he is near to the human being and this explanation has been given by many of the scholars and in many of the books of tafsir the explanation of this ayat وَنَحْنُ أَقْرَبُ إِلَيْهِ مِنْ حَبْلِ الْوَرِيدِ that we are nearer to him than the juggler vein has been explained as meaning nearer by knowledge and indeed it is a legitimate meaning in that it is a reality that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, by his knowledge, is near to the human being, nearer to the human being than his juggler vein. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows his every secret thought. However, some scholars have rejected this interpretation as being the intended meaning or the primary meaning, and some amongst them is Al-Hafiz ibn Kathir, rahimahullah, in his tafsir, tafsir al-Qur'an al-Azim, and what he mentioned this ayah, and he said, نَحْنُ أَقْرَبُ إِلَيْهِ مِنْ حَبْلِ الْوَرِيدِ يَعْنِي مَلَائِكَتَهُ That it means we are nearer to him than his juggler vein. It means the angels are nearer to him, nearer to the human being. And malaika, the malaik, the angels of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, أَقْرَبُ إِلَى الْإِنسَانِ مِنْ حَبْلِ وَرِيدِهِ إِلَيْهِ Then his juggler vein is to him. وَمَنْ تَأَوَّلَهُ عَلَى الْعِلْمِ فَإِنَّمَا فَرَّ لِأَلَّا يَلْزَمْ حُلُولٌ أَوْ إِتْتِحَادٌ وَهُمَا مَنْفِيَانِ فِي الْإِجْمَاعِ He said that those who have explained it as being by his knowledge, they explained it in this way in order to escape from those, from the possibility that someone might imagine then that the idea is true of Al-Hulul or Ittihad, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that He is in the divinity or the divine being is in something in the creation, or it is 
united with something in the creation, such that the things in the creation become one with Allah, as those people who believe that Allah is in every place, or that Allah is everything. He said, therefore some of the scholars have explained it in this way, so that one would not fall into the false belief that Allah is near to the human being, meaning He is inside of the human being. Then He has become one with the human being. In order to escape from this false belief, some of the scholars have explained the, the meaning of this ayat as Allah being near by His knowledge, while in fact the Hafiz Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah, says that this is not the meaning of it, but that the meaning of it means the angels of Allah. And he mentions a number of ayats that are similar to this, in which the plural expression is used, and he said that all of these are similar, and likewise the proof that uh, the meaning of it is the angels, is as the ayat continues, he said, يعني, إِذْ يَتَلَقَّ الْمُتَلَقِّيَانِ يعني, when the two receivers receive, يعني, that we are nearer to you than the juggler vein, it means at the time when the two receivers receive, the angels that receive the human beings, or take, يعني, record their actions and their speech and whatever they do, he said that this means the two angels that are writing the action of the human being. That means that the context of the ayat is itself a proof that the meaning here, that we are nearer to him than the juggler vein at the time when the two recording angels, the two receivers receive, it means that it is in fact the angels. However, Shaykh al-Islam in a number of places in his great book, Majmu al-Fatawa, he has discussed this issue in great detail and due to any fear for lack of time, we will skip what he has said and yani, suffice to say that he has agreed with Al-Hafid ibn Kathir rahimahullah that the primary meaning of this ayat it is the angels of Allah. However, he has also said that that is not a negation or a contradiction of the also of the meaning being that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by his knowledge that he is also near to the human being, or nearer to the human being than the juggler being. So, the point here is that this ayat, though Al-Imam Ibn Abi Zayd, he has used it as a proof of Allah's knowledge being extensive to the extent that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that he knows uh, the human being, even his inner thoughts, he has used this as the proof of this. However, we say that indeed it is a legitimate proof while the primary meaning of the ayat means the angels of Allah and it also can mean that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala along with his angels is near to the human being but the nearness of the angels is in their being. The angels are actually physically near their, their being while Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not near by his being but he is near by his knowledge and Allah knows this. Then Al-Imam Ibn Abi Zayd goes on to discuss the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his sovereignty over the heavens and the earth and all that he has created, that he is the one who possesses and controls it. Uh, he said, وَمَا تَسْقُطُوا مِنْ وَرَقَةٍ إِلَّا يَعْلَمُهَا That there is not a leaf that falls. And he, there is not a leaf that falls from a tree except that he knows it, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows about every leaf that falls from a tree. وَلَا حَبَّةٍ فِي ظُلُمَاتِ الْأَرْضِ And there is not a grain or a seed in the darkness of the earth, in the depth or the inner surface of the earth, 
the inner depths of the earth, except that Allah knows about every seed that is in the earth. وَلَا رَطْبٍ وَلَا يَابِسٍ إِلَّا فِي كِتَابٍ مُبِينٍ There is nothing fresh nor dry except that it is in a clear book. Yani it is recorded. It is in a book that recorded yani in the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَعَلَى الْعَرْشِ اِسْتَوَى وَعَلَى الْمُلْكِ اِحْتَوَى And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Tawa rose above Al-Arsh, the throne, and he is in possession of the sovereignty or the kingdom, the whole of it, the heavens and the earth and whatever is between them. And then they explain that Shaykh Muhammad, Abdurrahman al-Khumayyid, Hafizahullah, may Allah protect and preserve him, he says that this ayah, that not a leaf falls, except that Allah knows it, he said, that if a leaf fell from a tree, in the darkness of the night, Allah sees it and He knows its affair. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees every leaf or every little thing that takes place in His creation. He sees it and He knows about its affair. Nor is there grain or a seed in the darkness of the earth. Yani, there is not a seed inside of the earth except that Allah knows it and He protects and preserves it. Meaning that Allah is the one who protects and preserves it and allows it to come forth and to produce whatever He has decreed for it to produce. Nor is there anything that is fresh or that is dry except that it is recorded in a book, in a clear book. That means that there is nothing in the creation, in the sovereignty, in the kingdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whether it is great or small, except that He knows it and He sees it. And this is as the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that these words from the text of Ibn Abi Zayd have come from the ayat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-An'am, chapter 6, verse 59. وَمَا تَسْكُتُوا مِنْ وَرَقَةٍ لَا يَعْلَمُهَا وَلَا حَبَّةٍ فِي ظُلُمَاتِ الْأَرْضِ وَلَا رَبٍ وَلَا يَابِسٍ إِسْتَافِ كِتَابٍ مُبِينٍ And in this ayat indicating that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows every small or great thing. Not a leaf falls from a tree except that he knows it, nor a seed or a grain in the darkness of the earth, nor that which is fresh or dry, except that it is in a clear book. And likewise, the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Yunus, chapter 10, verse 61, وَمَا يَعْذُبُوا عَنْ رَبِّكَ مِنْ مِسْقَالِ ذَرَّةٍ فِي الْأَرْضِ وَلَا فِي السَّمَاءِ وَلَا أَصْغَرَ مِنْ ذَلِكَ وَلَا أَكْبَرَ إِذَا فِي كِتَابٍ مُبِينٍ That there is nothing hidden from your Lord, even that which is equal to the weight of a small ant or an atom's weight in the earth, nor in the heaven, nor that which is small. Then he ascended above the throne in Surah Al-Taha, chapter 20, verse 5, and the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Hadid, chapter 57, verse 4, هو الذي خلق السماوات والأرض في ستة أيام ثم استوى على الأرش. He is the one who created the heavens and the earth in six days, and then he ascended above the throne. And other places in the Quran that are similar to this, which we have previously mentioned. He said the people of truth, they say concerning this matter of Allah subhanahu wa taala's ascension or rising above the throne.
He said, they say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ascends in a way that is suitable, fitting, or appropriate to the perfection, to his perfection and his majesty. Yani Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ascending. It is not like the ascending or the rising of the creatures or the human beings, but it is an ascension that is suitable and fitting and appropriate to the perfection and the majesty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they leave off explaining the how of it. Yani they refer back to Allah. يُفَوِّدُونَ كَيْفِيَةِ ذَلِكَ إِلَى اللَّهِ That means التَّقْوِيد here, it is what we mentioned in the previous lecture, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one, the only one who knows the how of his actions or his characteristics or his qualities. Therefore, the people of Sunnah, the people of Truth, they confirm his characteristics such as his ascending and istiwa in a way that we say that it is in a way that is suitable. How is it? We don't know. But it is in a way that is suitable or fitting to the majesty and the glory and the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As for the how of it, exactly explaining the how of it, this is something that we refer back to Allah, the one who knows subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they do not negate or deny anything of his characteristics which he has affirmed for himself. This is a principle of the people of Sunnah concerning the characteristics or the qualities of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we affirm what he has affirmed for himself. And we do not deny that which he has confirmed for himself. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has described himself with a description, then we cannot deny it. We can only confirm because he is the one who knows best about himself. Therefore, the people of Sunnah confirm they do not deny anything of his characteristics which he has affirmed for himself. They do not negate them as do the Mu'attila, the people of Ta'atil, those who empty the names of Allah or the characteristics of Allah of their meaning, those who explain Al-Istiwa by the meaning of Istila or Istawla. Yani they explain the meaning of Istiwa that its meaning is Istila or Istawla, meaning that Allah conquered or overcame something. Then in that way they reduced or they lessened or degraded the majesty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by denying that which He has affirmed for Himself. They are distorted and corrupted the speech, yani the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They distorted it and changed it from its actual meaning, giving it another meaning. That is a tahrif. Yani harrafu al-kalam an mawadi'ihi. Yani they moved or transferred or changed that speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the meaning that it in, that is intended by it and gave it a meaning that they wanted for it. And they said about Allah, yani they spoke about Allah without knowledge. Yani they said that which they have no true knowledge of. May Allah disfigure them. And then finally he said, yani that after Allah, he said after Allah, that Allah ascended above the throne, and he said, وَعَلَى الْمُلْقِ وَعَلَى الْمُلْقِ إِحْتَوَى That is, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he possessed and controlled يعني, the sovereignty or the kingdom, the kingdom of the heavens and the earth and all that he created. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, all of the creation, all of the kingdom belongs to him. As he said, 
in Surah Al-Ma'idah, chapter 5, verse 120, لِلَّهِ مُلْقُ السَّمَوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَمَا That the possession or the dominion of the heavens and the earth and whatever is in them, it belongs to Allah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He encompasses all of His kingdom while nothing in the creation encompasses Him. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is glorified and exalted and far removed from there being anything of His creatures that can encompass Him or surround Him or overcome Him. Then He said, in summary, uh, what He has mentioned in this part from the, what we mentioned last week and from what we mentioned today, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from amongst His names or characteristics from his names or characteristics is that he is the one who is all-knowing and all-aware and he is the one who controls the affairs of the universe and has power over everything and he is the one who is all-hearing and all-seeing and he is the most high and the most great. Also, uh, from amongst the points mentioned in this section is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ascended above his arsh. He, he, is, he is ascended, yani he is above his arsh and likewise, he is in every place by his knowledge. He is in his being, his divine being, above his arsh, and by his knowledge, he is in every place. And there is nothing uh, that of the hidden things of his creatures that is hidden from him or unknown to him. And that Allah's knowledge encompasses everything. And also Allah knows that which is unseen or hidden in the heavens and the earth, there is nothing hidden from him, even that which is equal to the, the, an atom's weight. This is the end of any, what we can discuss this evening. Uh, if there are any comments or questions, or any, any correction of what has been said, we may take a few moments and then look at the questions at the end of the handout. Any questions? Now, according to them, they said, the meaning of what they said, al-arsh, it means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He took over, He took control over, He conquered the arsh, yani as though Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he didn't control it, and he didn't own it or possess it, and then he took control over it. Which is, يعني, perhaps we might say it is irrational. However, uh, the, that which caused these people to take or to hold these beliefs that are not logical from that perspective, and are contrary to what is clear in the Quran and Sunnah from the other side, is their refusal to accept the clear meaning of what has been mentioned in the Qur'an or through the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that uh, is not agreeable to their thinking, to their intellect or to their rationale. Therefore they re-explain. And if amongst them there are those, the most extremists of them that he has not mentioned, the Jahmiyyah, who deny the names of Allah outright and the characteristics of Allah. And those who are less than them, from whom he mentioned the Ma'atazila, who confirm Allah's names but deny His characteristics. Who confirm Allah's names but deny His characteristics, all of them. And this is relevant to what we mentioned previously 
uh, of the principles of the Tawheed of Asma wa Sifat is that from amongst those principles is that the names of Allah are not only names that He is called upon by or He is recognized by, but they are also characteristics that are descriptions of Him. When we say that from the names of Allah is Al-Alim, that He is the All-Knowing, it is also a sifa of Allah, a description of Allah having knowledge. So it is not only a name that He is called by, but it is also a description that describes Him. These people in confirming His names and denying His characteristics, in fact, they have denied His names, because what is the name without its meaning, in reference to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. However, they are more extreme. Those who deny the, the names and the characteristics are more extremists than those who at least on the surface admit to his names but deny his characteristics. And some the less uh, yani extreme of them are the Ash'ariya who confirm the names of Allah in principle and who even confirm some of the sifat of Allah. And there are differences amongst them. However, it has been uh, mentioned by many of the scholars that they confirm seven of the sifat of Allah or the characteristics of Allah that can be proven according to them by the intellect. That which can be proven by intellect that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has life, al-hayat. And by intellect they can say if he's not living then how can he be God? And it's according to their thinking that he has will and that he has power or ability and that he has hearing and seeing and speech. They have confirmed these characteristics while reinterpreting and giving other meanings to the other sifat of Allah. In any case, all of them, they are equal in the point of negating and denying the meanings of the names of Allah and the characteristics of Allah that are understood in the Arabic language. While the correct position of the people of Sunnah is to confirm whatever Allah has confirmed for himself or that which the Prophet ﷺ has confirmed for him without confirming it, without making comparison or examples between Allah and the creatures and negating whatever Allah has negated from himself that Allah has negated that he does injustice or that he sleeps and so on we negate whatever Allah has negated from himself and that which has been negated by the Prophet ﷺ but that negation is without emptying the meanings of the descriptions that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given for himself or that the Prophet ﷺ has described him with. Now, now, now. After Amazon? Hmm. Sisters have a number of questions. Uh, the last of them is how can you, how can we refute the claim of some people from amongst the Muslims? And she said the Sufis who say that if we say that Allah is above the throne, then He is in a place. Well, there are so many ways to refute them. 
The first refutation for them is that when we say that Allah is above his throne, we confirm what he has said about himself. And Allah knows himself better than any of the people. We say what Allah has said. Secondly, as far as Allah being in a place, Allah's being above the throne doesn't mean that Allah is in a place. It means that Allah is high above and distinct and separate from His creation. He is not below the creation, so He can only be above the creation. As far as Him being in a place, there is no place. Places are limited to the created beings within the universe. But Allah is outside of the universe. The concept of being in a place, it is not applicable to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is not within the creation. Places or directions are applicable to the creatures within the creation. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is separate and distinct and above the creation. So we say that it is not applicable to Allah to say He is in a place. But what is suitable to say about Allah is what He has said about Himself. That He is above the heavens, above the seven heavens and above His arsh. The second question of the sisters was that some new Muslims describe Allah as Alpha and Omega. And what can we say about this? Well, we say about this that the role of the people of Sunnah is that the descriptions of Allah as well as the names of Allah are tawqifiyya. That is one of the principles that we mentioned last week. That we describe Allah tawqifiyya. We said that we describe Allah with that which He has described Himself within the Qur'an and that which the Prophet ﷺ has described Him within the Sunnah. And we stop there. We don't go beyond that. Tawqifiyya it means that the descriptions of Allah are limited to the revelation and we don't go beyond the revelation of what Allah has revealed in His book or through His Prophet Therefore, it is not for us to describe Allah with that which might seem in our minds as being suitable or appropriate or of good meaning. But we describe Allah with that which He has described Himself with and we avoid describing Allah outside of those descriptions or those expressions that have been used in the Sharia, in the Qur'an, or in the Sunnah. However, there is another point here uh, that I didn't mention, and perhaps it is suitable to mention it now. I don't know what is the time. 7 o'clock? Nazan has been called? Almost. Five. And that is one of the principles that we didn't mention. We mentioned some of the fundamental or primary principles of Tawheed of Asma wa Sifat, the names of Allah and His characteristics. And from amongst the principles that some of the scholars have mentioned concerning Tawheed al-Asma wa sifat is that the names of Allah and the characteristics of Allah are limited, limited to the Qur'an and Sunnah. However, al-ikhbar, or mentioning something about Allah, informing about Allah, is not limited to the expressions in the Qur'an and the Sunnah. That means that there are some expressions it is allowed to, to mention about Allah, to, to talk about or to discuss Allah by using such expressions, not saying it is a name of Allah, and not saying it is a characteristic of Allah, but it is an expression that we use when we talk about Allah. The scholars said that it is permissible to do so, to use some expressions in this way, because the ikhbar or information that we use to talk about Allah is not limited to tawqifiyah. And this is related to, uh, this is related to the use of the expression that by Ibn Abi Zayd in this, uh, essay, and which, uh, I mean, I wanted to comment upon, but I forgot and now it has come to my mind. Let us just, uh, take a moment to listen to the adhan, inshallah, after the adhan I'll complete.
this uh, answer and then if there are any other questions. And concerning the expression that Ibn Abi Zayd has used here, the expression that referring to the divine being of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that he is above his throne with his back, while he is in every place by his knowledge. Shaykh Islam ibn Taymiyyah said in one place in Majmur Fatawa that the name Allah, if it is said Alhamdulillah, it is said Alhamdulillah, or if someone says Bismillah, that the name Allah in this expression includes his that as well as his sifat. When you say Bismillah, you mean Allah's that, his divine being as well as his sifat. He said, this does not include the that alone without his, his sifat. Nor does it mean his sifat without his that, but they are together. Uh, likewise, he said in another place in Majmur Fatawa, concerning this matter and the point that I wanted to mention here, he said that we make a distinction between supplicating him and informing about him. Between supplicating Allah, and we supplicate him by his names or characteristics, and informing about him, saying something about him. He said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not supplicated to, he is not called upon except by his Asma al-Husna except by his beautiful names. As for informing about him, then we will not inform about him with any name that is evil. But we might inform about him with a name that is good, or a name, if it is not classified as good, it will not be classified as evil. Such as, Shay'un Wazatun Yani that these are not from the names of Allah. They are not from the sifat of Allah. Shayun, a thing, or that, being, or mawjood, yani existing, being present. These are not names of Allah, and they are not sifat of Allah that came in the Quran or in the Sunnah. However, when speaking about Allah, we can use such an expression. He said that as long as the meaning of it is not evil, even if Shay, it is not considered as a good name or a good and a word that means something beautiful. It is Shay something doesn't have an evil meaning or a good meaning. It is just a meaning, Shay, something. So he said that in terms of informing about Allah it is permissible to use such expressions. This is allowed while not claiming that these are from the names of Allah or his characteristics. In any case the point here is that we should distinguish between that which is used as an expression in the language to refer to something like thing or mawjood present without I any mean, we should distinguish between that and when we describe Allah or when we name Allah uh, we should limit ourselves in that case only to that which has come in the revelation in the Quran and the Sunnah now Is it the case of what? 
نعم 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 That is the point that he is saying that he used the the love of Jalal Allah as the point and as an example. However, it is applicable to all of Allah's names. It is a rule, as we mentioned, that when we refer to Allah by one of His names, it is not just a name that we identify the that of Allah, that the being of Allah, that we say Ar Rahman, Ar Rahim, or Al Halim, or Al Hakim. It is not just a name that we refer to Him by. But it is also a description of him. Therefore, it includes the name as well as the ism as well as the sifr. That is applicable to love the Jalala, Allah, and it is applicable to other names of Allah. Now, quickly, if we can look at the questions at the end of the handout, the first of them is explain the aqid of Ahl Sunnah concerning the question, where is Allah? Or is it correct to say that Allah is everywhere? What is the aqid of Ahl Sunnah concerning? The question or the issue, where is Allah? Is it correct to say that Allah is everywhere? Well, we say that it is not correct to say that Allah is everywhere. Except if somebody explains and says that Allah is everywhere by his knowledge. If you qualify it, it is permissible to say that Allah's knowledge is everywhere. And Allah's sight is everywhere and his hearing is everywhere. Meaning that he hears everything and he sees everything and he knows everything. As for the aqeed of Ahl al-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah concerning where is Allah, the aqeed of Ahl al-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above his throne, as he mentioned in so many verses in the Qur'an directly uh, and indirectly and in the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, including the hadith of the Jariyah, the slave girl, who the Prophet ﷺ ordered to be freed when he asked her, where is Allah? And she said, fi that Allah is above the heavens. And he asked her, who am I? And she said, you are the messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He said, free her, فَإِنَّهَا مُؤْمِنًا Because she is a believer. This is also a proof of the aqeed of Ahl sunnah wal jamaah that Allah is above the heavens. Mention it a little, a proof for the above answer. Yani the hadith that we had mentioned is a proof. And the ayat of the Qur'an that mention al-istiwa ala al-arsh. And the names of Allah such as al-ali, that he is high, or al-ala, the most high. And that the... Words go up to Allah and the command comes down from Allah and so many other uh, that Allah is fawqa ibadihi, that he is above his servants and so on. Is there a contradiction between saying that Allah is above his throne and that he is with you wherever you may be? Is there a contradiction between these two statements? We say there is no contradiction. First we say there is no contradiction because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself has said so, that he is above his throne and he is with you wherever you may be. However, we understand the meaning of it, that Allah is above His throne, be that He, His divine being is above the throne, and He is with you wherever you may be, by His knowledge or His power or His seeing or His hearing and so on. Uh, also, we say concerning this, that there is no contradiction, because we cannot apply the limited, yani the, that which is applicable to the li- limited beings, that is human beings, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because He said that there is nothing like Him. So we affirm what he has said, and there is no contradiction at all in it. Number four, why did Al-Imam Ibn Abi Zayd use the expression that? What was the reason, reason for his use of the expression that? Now, to refute the Mu'attila, those who denied Allah ascending above the throne in reality. They said it is not haqiqi, it is not real, it is only, yani, 
majazi, his figurative or metaphorical, allegorical, not in reality. So he used it to refute them by exaggerating and confirming Allah's istiwa by saying istiwa ala al-arsh and his divine being is actually in reality above the throne. Explain the belief of the following groups. Al-Hululiyah. What is the belief of Al-Hululiyah? That Allah is in every place. Well, ittihadiyah That Allah is everything. That, uh, that Allah is everything and that everything is Allah. And the Juhudiyah? Naam. They, they rejected, there are those who reject and deny. And there are those who say that Allah is not inside of the creation or out of the creation. Or above it or below it or in front of it or behind it or to the right of it or to the left of it. And they deny the existence of Allah. Which of the three groups identified, which of the three groups, which are the three groups identified as Juhudiyya? Who did the, the explainer mention as the Juhudiyya? He said that they are the Ashariya. Maturudiyya and Mu'tazila and Mu'tazila and the Shia yani in the general idea of denying the sifat of Allah or reinterpreting them according to their own interpretations saying that the hand of Allah means power or the descending of Allah in the last third of the night means the descending of his command or the angels and so on giving their own interpretations to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has described himself with discuss the meaning of the verse indeed we created the human being and we know what his own self whispers to him, and we are nearer to him than the juggler vein. What is the meaning of this verse, especially the meaning of the words, وَنَحْنُ أَقْرَبُ إِلَيْهِ مِنْ حَبْلِ الْوَرِيدِ That we are nearer to him than the juggler vein. What is the meaning of these words here? Naam. That here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is confirming that he is nearer, that we are nearer then the juggler vein nearer to the human being the juggler vein. The primary and first meaning of it from the context of the ayat, it means the angels, the recording angels who are recording the actions and the deeds of the human being. And likewise as Ibn Abi Zayd rahimahullah has used it here and as some of the many of the scholars of Tafsir have been interpreted, even though uh, Al Hafiz ibn Kathir has denied this as being the meaning, but indeed many of the scholars have said that it is a secondary meaning, that indeed Allah is nearer to the human being than his juggler vein, nearer by his knowledge, that he knows everything, even the inner whisperings of the human being. The primary meaning is the nearness of the angels in actuality and reality, and the secondary meaning is the nearness of Allah by his knowledge. Uh, explain the meaning of al arsh istawa. What is the meaning of al arsh istawa? Naam, that Allah rose above the arsh. That he ascended above the arsh. Yani that he rose up above his arsh. How can we refute the false interpretation or tahrif of those who say istiwa, ascending means istawla or istila, conquering. How can we refute this false tahrif or distorted, corrupted interpretation of istiwa? Now, that he is the one who created it and then he had to overcome something else or someone else and conquer it, he didn't control what he created. Likewise, the actual, I mean, the first refutation of them is that their interpretation, it is not 
understood in the Arabic language. Is not the apparent meaning in the Arabic language. Yani, istiwa, no, none of the scholars of Arabic language have explained istiwa to mean istawla. But they said it has four primary meanings that we mentioned. Yani, as-sa'ud, ascending, al-ulu, being high, irtifa, rising up, and al-istiqrar, being established. Yani, that Allah is established above His throne. So none of the scholars of Arabic language have given this meaning istila. And likewise, rationally, as the brother said, we cannot imagine that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who created the heavens and earth, then He ascended above it, means He created it and then He had to conquer it. He had to take control of it from who? There is no one who can contend with Allah such that Allah has to conquer. And there is no competition for Allah originally, anyway. طيب we will stop here inshallah. سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك أشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت استغفرك وأتوب إليك. Uh, one of the sisters said that the last ayat which we mentioned instead of 59 4, it's 57 4, yani Surah Al Hadid, 57.